Thanks for joining us for the Bread of Life, a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise. To contact us, call us at 208-331-4096. That number again is 208-331-4096. Now here's Joel Van Hoogen. We're not made strong to live the Christian life by merely shaping a strong theology or by molding a solid foundation of good behaviors. We're made strong to endure in the Christian life by getting under God's grace. God's grace is the fountain of His activated love towards you. Live under it, and you will get strong in the faith. So what I'm saying is the righteous man and the unrighteous man experiences grace. The Bible says that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. That means that the good man and the bad man both get to enjoy good, clean rain that replenishes the earth. But when you give your life to Jesus Christ, when you believe in Him and you trust in Him, you bring to your life something more. You receive from God something more. I shouldn't say you bring it. God brings to your life something more. God brings to you not only common grace, but God brings to you saving grace. By faith in Jesus Christ, you find that all your sins have been paid for. Jesus brings to you forgiveness. Jesus brings to you a clean conscience from the reproach of the sins that he's just forgiven. You're not only forgiven, but you're released from the ongoing reproach of those past sins. The Lord Jesus grants you eternal life. The Lord Jesus brings to you the power of his own victorious life poured into your being and your existence so you live in his strength. He gives you the gift of his Holy Spirit as an unending companion. Oh, there's so much more that he gives you. And it's all a part of God's saving grace that he gives to the person who believes in him. Now listen, both the common grace that come to all people and the saving grace that only comes to God's children through faith is undeserved. You didn't do anything to merit it. There's nothing you did to meet the conditions for it. It was all provided by God himself. It was undeserved, undeserved, unmerited favor. And that's how you will always and how man has always encountered since the fall the grace of God. He's always encountered it as an unmerited favor. And that's, by the way, how we define grace now. We've called it the unmerited favor or blessing of God. And it's true. But I want to suggest to you for a moment not to let the emphasis fall on unmerited or undeserved, though it's true. I'm not denying that. I want you to let the emphasis fall on God himself. It's God's grace. It's God's nature. It's God's goodness. It's his benevolence activated in eternal love that's poured out upon you. God has always been gracious. God has always been activated in love. God has always been good and kind and benevolent and rich in the outpouring of himself. And now we experience it, this God loving us and being gracious to us, we experience it through his son who has come and died in our place for our sins. So again, just really quickly reviewing this definition. The Bible speaks of grace of God as his active love outpoured conditioned on his eternal, infinite love and goodness and not on our merits. Second, the Bible also speaks of grace as that unmerited love that's channeled to us through the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ, dying for our sins. And finally, and McLaren points this out, the Bible will refer to grace as the character such love and grace produces in those who consciously receive it. In other words, as I receive God's grace, and as I receive it through the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ, 
all of his goodness and all of his richness and all of his love, it begins to produce in me a gracious life. And it begins to produce in me responses that the Bible actually calls grace as well. They're little reflections of the grace that we've received. They're little impact moments, points of impact where the grace of God and the life of God touches our life through Jesus Christ and a spark of grace flies up from us. And the Bible calls that grace as well. Look in your Bibles for a moment. Let me give you a passage to turn to. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15.10. Paul's going to illustrate this last kind of expression of grace in 1 Corinthians chapter 15.10. Here's the point. God's grace outpoured and received produces a gracious life. Paul writes this. But by the grace of God I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God that was in me. He received God's grace. It transformed him and changed him. And it produced in him a life, a life of vigilant, active expression of the very love that God had poured on him to others. But it wasn't really him, it was God's grace poured out through him. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul is going to be found urging the Corinthian church to excel in giving generously to those in need. He's going to call upon them to offer up their goods, their financial resources to help others. And he's going to call this giving activity that he's calling them to a grace. And then he includes the grace of giving, of giving, of tithing or whatever it is to help others. This generosity, he compares it to other expressions that are similar and he calls them graces as well. God is pouring out his love, and as God pours out his love, and as he fills you and you get under the fountain of God's love, it produces out of you expressions of love yourself. So listen to what he says in 2 Corinthians 8, 7. But as you abound in everything, in faith, now that's a grace, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. The grace of faith, the grace of a, a gracious speech, the grace of knowledge that allows you to grow and develop and understand God. The grace of moral diligence. The grace of loving others. See that you also abound in this grace of giving to others as well. It's called a grace. Where did this gracious life come from? This kind of enduring, strong, productive, gracious life. Did it come from them sharpening their theological swords? Did it come from them finding just the right moral practices or forms of worship? No. It came from them getting under the fountain and spring of God's active love, met at the cross of Jesus Christ and staying there. The more you understand grace, the more gracious you become. The more strong and stable and established and grace-filled you become as the overflowing and active love of God sheds by the Holy Spirit His presence, His life upon you, you find yourself becoming stronger and stronger and stronger and you know what? You're not wishy-washy. You get a backbone of solid endurance. You get a stable and strong heart for Christ. You get under and you remain under the fountain of God's unmerited grace poured out for you through Jesus Christ and His cross. You set your mind on all that God is and all that God lovingly is towards you. You rehearse the multitudinous expressions of His love outpoured upon you. And your life becomes increasingly gracious and strong and enduring and it can get through the storm. But you have to get under His grace. You have to live under His grace. Listen, if you thought what was going to make you a good Christian was you got your doctrines dolled down and nice and precise, I'm just telling you, you meet the storms of the day, it won't hold up, it'll wash away. 
If you thought because you found some patterns of behavior that you were going to follow and fulfill, and those were the things that you knew were the real secret to you being an enduring Christian, and so you held on to them, and you did those things, it will not endure when you come under difficulties and challenges. What will endure? You get under the grace of God, the active love of God, and you live there. You live under the spring of his life outpoured to you through Jesus Christ and his death for you on the cross. It was there he opened up a resource where God could flood you with himself and his goodness. Undeserved, unmerited. You live in that place. What's the application? Well, I suggest you read your Bible and find out what God has done for you and coming to you and recovering from your sins and blessing you. You let that permeate your heart and your mind and your understanding. You live in grace. Here's one last point. Such a life, a heart made strong and established by grace, is beautiful. It's beautiful. It says here it's good for the heart to be established by grace, and the Greek word for good is kalon, and it can mean excellent or honorable, but in most places it just means beautiful. It is beautiful for the heart to be established by grace. I strongly exhort you to think about God and his works. I exhort you to study God's word, to narrow down your theology to what is found in God's word. In other words, don't invent your own system of truth. Find out what other good men have taught as they thoughtfully prostrate the instruction of God's word so that they might know him and understanding the works of his salvation as far as their minds could go. And I also strongly exhort you to search out and find out what is good and right to do according to God's revealed word. Obey him. Find those faithful, submissive responses to the Spirit's calling upon your life which will give expression to the holiness of God and shape you more and more in the image of Christ. Seek God's work to find His will for what it is you're to do. Seek God's word to understand what you know. Seek God's word to understand what you're to do. But never conduct your search or rest in your positions and postures of what you've learned from God's word apart from living under the fountain of God's eternal and active love freely unmerited on your behalf imparted to you through Jesus Christ, apart from a conscious consideration of his unmerited goodness upon you, upon his, by his grace, by his grace. Don't come to those things apart from his grace. Mere knowledge puffs up. Mere morality does the same. But living under the outpoured, undeserved grace that is God's life and love showered on you will make your life beautiful. It will make it beautiful. It'll endure in the midst of difficulties and hardship, and what will come shining through is the beauty of our God poured out on you. Now, how wonderful is that? Paul actually says in Romans 5, 2, it's in this grace that we stand and we rejoice. It shines forth. Well, there's more to be said on it. We'll have to do it on another occasion, another day, but again, if you're having a hard time grasping what grace looks like on the part of God, You can't add up all the common graces that you've received and you're having a hard time even adding up all the grace that God's given you in salvation. I would just suggest to you that you study the life of Christ and you'll see flashing out of his life an expression, an embodied expression of the grace of God. That's what John said they saw when they looked at Jesus. This was one who was God incarnate and we saw him as one full of grace and truth. Grace outpoured. God's Active love. But study Christ's life for that purpose. To see the evidence of the active love of God outpoured upon you. 
set your mind on him and understand that if you put your faith in him, he's living in you and abiding in you in order to graciously pour that life out of your life. So as you receive grace, you become gracious. Not puffed up, but gracious. You know, Paul actually said because of the revelations that were given to him, there was a danger that he might be exalted above measure, that he might become puffed up. And as a result, God sent to him a thorn in the flesh. He asked God to take it away three times, and it wasn't taken away. God gave an answer to him instead. God said, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace won't puff you up. My grace will not exalt you above measure. Oh, listen, all these revelations, they can, in and of themselves, truth, wonderful truth can exalt you above measure. Unless you hold your truth, this truth, and this. My grace is the sufficient thing for your life. My unmerited goodness and activated love poured out upon you is the thing. It's the only thing that will allow you to endure. This lesson was so powerful and so wonderful to Paul that Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 and 9, Therefore I gladly will boast in my infirmities. The power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Strong in what? Grace. Grace. Let's bow our heads. Thanks for joining us today at the Bread of Life. Our ministry is brought to you by the International Evangelism and Discipleship Ministry of Church Partnership Evangelism. And your support to our radio program and that work is greatly appreciated. To learn more about that work, go to cpeonline.org. And to learn more about our local fellowship here in Boise, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, may God bless you.